welcome to the Human Flourishing Project. I'm your host, Alex Epstein. Sorry I was away for, I guess I missed two weeks. I heard from at least one of you, who happened to be my sister, <laughs> that you missed it, and probably some other people mentioned it too on the Facebook group, which I haven't been on in a while. Apologies for that. But I am back, and I'm going to try to do two consecutive episodes, but I'm definitely doing an episode today. And today's episode is entitled The Wisdom of Flow, Part 1. So Flow is a book that I've heard a lot of people mention over the years. I never read it. Uh, and it's by a guy whose name, I don't know why this guy doesn't simplify <laughs> the spelling of his name. And he has these two kids who are fairly prominent and they are still, they're still sticking to it. But I've just learned from YouTube, it's pronounced Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, which that sounds not so bad, but the spelling is just, it's got like L's and Y's and yet they add up to I. So uh, that's why I'm calling it the wisdom of flow instead of the wisdom of Csikszentmihalyi. Although maybe maybe it, maybe I'll get comfortable with it enough that I'll I'll say that more in the future. So anyway, I've heard about this book for a while, and it's a pretty good rule that if if I hear a lot of ideas coming from a certain place secondhand from other people, that I should read the original because usually the author has some sort of uniqueness in their thinking, and I can get a lot more from that than from references and summaries by others. So get a, can get a lot more from reading them directly. And so I, I read this book recently, and I've, I've reread a bunch of it, and I found it a really fascinating book with a lot of wisdom, uh, a bunch of stuff that I question, but even the stuff that I question, he's a very interesting thinker. So I wanted to do uh, at least two episodes on his ideas because I've been working with them uh, quite a bit on my own, and they... He's, he's gone in certain directions that I've gone in, but he's, he's made a profession out of it. So he has a lot of insight and a lot of uh, examples. So the, the basic premise of the book, Flow, and of Csikszentmihalyi's, hey, I'm getting comfortable with it, with his work, is how to achieve what he calls optimal experience. And I, I think of optimal experience as this is what people actually like most versus what they say they find most, what they say they like most, or find most enjoyable. And the way I gather he's gone about this is they'll just put monitors on people, and they'll ask people, hey, how do you feel in a given moment? But they're, they're basically page people, and so whatever, you know, whatever state the person is in, they report how they're feeling. And what happens is that the places that people are enjoying themselves most are not always the places that they expect that they would enjoy themselves most. And I'll talk particularly today about leisure, which is uh, particularly paradoxical in this regard because people expect to enjoy it a lot more than they actually enjoy it. And so the, he, he calls the state of optimal experience, that this, and I'll, I'll give some of the parameters in a minute, but the, the, um, the, the state that he calls, the state of optimal experience he calls flow. And so there are a different... There are a bunch of different aspects to this which help in, in capturing and relating to it. And so what I want to do today is talk about how he conceives of flow, but particularly talk about it in the realm of leisure slash recreation, because this is a subject I've talked a lot about on this show. I've talked about the 
the problem of weekends and just how I think weekends are squandered. And he's got a lot of interesting stuff on that himself and quotes from others. And I think he has a lot of insight into why that kind of time gets squandered and how to enjoy it more. And I've been applying some of that myself and had some some results that are really good and that that just make total sense with my experience. One one thing I've found in thinking about Csikszentmihalyi's ideas, I'm really impressed with myself for this name and <laughs> pronouncing it with Csikszentmihalyi's, of course, I could be butchering it like that time I said uh, Arthur Bennett instead of Arnold Bennett, for those of you who've been listening to the show. Uh, so I keep, I keep interrupting myself with pride about this guy's name. But uh, I, I keep noticing that, and this is the hallmark of a good of good ideas is that it, it really makes a lot of sense out of past experience that I've had that I hadn't quite filed. So a lot of things I look at, Oh, why did I enjoy that? Oh, I was in a flow state. Why didn't I enjoy that? Oh, I wasn't in a flow state. There's a lot that makes sense uh, about it. So let's look at what he says are the components of, of flow. And I think if you get these components, it's easy to relate to it. So these are all, this is all, this is just the passage where he summarizes it in the book. So I'm just going to read it uh, word for word. First, the experience usually occurs when we confront tasks we have a chance of completing. First, the experience usually occurs when we confront tasks we have a chance of completing. Second, we must be able to concentrate on what we are doing. Third and fourth, the concentration is usually possible because the task undertaken has clear goals and provides immediate feedback. Fifth, one acts with a deep but effortless involvement that removes from awareness the worries and frustrations of everyday life. Sixth, enjoyable experiences allow people to exercise a sense of control over their actions. Seventh, concern for the self disappears, yet paradoxically the sense of self emerges stronger after the flow experience is over. Finally, so this is eighth, finally, the sense of the duration of time is altered. Hours pass by in minutes, and minutes can stretch out to seem like hours. And then he continues, The combination of all these elements causes a sense of deep enjoyment that is so rewarding, people that feel that expending a great deal of energy is worthwhile simply to be able to feel it. And then he talks about it in a related note. He says, By far the overwhelming proportion of optimal experiences are reported to occur within sequences of activities that are goal-directed and bounded by rules. Activities that require the investment of psychic energy and that could not be done without the appropriate skills. So it's really interesting that there's this element of goal-directed and bounded by rules. And again, all of all of these elements, and so it's it's... I, the reason I'm giving these these elements of it is because if I just say, oh, flow, you know what it's like to flow, that might be ambiguous. But it is this state, and, and often people can recognize it if they have work that, that they enjoy or if there's a game that they really enjoy where we just get into it and everything disappears. And we really are just, we're not self-conscious. I mean, we're enjoying ourselves in a certain way. We're not even thinking about that. We're just thinking about the thing that we are that our minds are engaged with. And there's something just deeply satisfying about that. It's satisfying during in a certain way. And then it's definitely satisfying afterward to say, Oh, and and one concept that he uses in connection with flow, which is really interesting is the concept of complexity and complexity is usually used uh, as a, as a negative, but he talks about it as it can be a negative, but it can also be a positive because you know, thinks of a human being that 
human growth is is an increase in complexity in the sense that we have are integrating more elements into ourself and into our capabilities. That's at least how I'm thinking of it. But he definitely described it as increases in complexity, but it's that we become complex in, a, in an organized or integrated way versus just something becoming complicated, which that might be the, the negative version of, of complexity. So to, I want to talk about this in in future shows in different contexts, but I thought it'd be helpful first to talk about it in the context I've thought about it most initially, which is leisure time. Now I should say I've already found it quite useful in work as well, and I know there's there's a lot more to apply there. And particularly what I found with work is that the if if I look at the different elements of it, so the um, you know tasks we have a chance of completing and then clear goals and provides immediate feedback. I've noticed that with writing and outlining that this is really this really rings true for me that if I if I don't define a goal for a specific part of a project or if I just say hey, I'm just going to make progress today, that has a vagueness to it that makes it much harder to be satisfying and to be in the flow state and there there it can often be associated with more anxiety because I'm not sure, am I accomplishing it? Am I doing the right thing? Whereas when the task is more defined, or at least the goal is defined, then I have an idea, okay, I'm going toward this and I can just focus all of my energy. It actually integrates also, I just just occurred to me with a show I did a long time ago about time spent thinking about what to do versus time spent executing it and just how debilitating it can be to combine those. And I can totally see that from a flow perspective, that it's one thing to think about how to, what I'm going to do. And maybe I can even get in a flow state just thinking about that. That's its own kind of execution. But if I'm mixing together, doing something with the question of should I be doing it, that is very toxic. So that's, that's just another example for me of how I just see so much integrate with this idea of a flow. So I should say I found it useful in work, but I want to talk today about leisure where I've really been playing with it. So I want to give you some some quotes from his book about leisure time. So one thing, this is a quote about his measurements of things and when people were apathetic, which is not what you want to be. He says, when people were working, 16% of the responses were in the apathy region. In leisure, over half, 52%. Another, another quote on this. Thus, we have the paradoxical situation. On the job, people feel skillful and challenged and therefore feel more happy, strong, creative, and satisfied. In their free time, people feel that there is generally not much to do and their skills are not being used and therefore they tend to feel more sad, weak, dull, and dissatisfied. Yet they would like to work less and spend more time in leisure. So I thought that's that's just... I think he really nails a phenomenon. And there's a lot... He has a lot more quotes about this, but another one he's quoting somebody else. He says, over 60 years ago, the great American, this must now, I guess, Csikszentmihalyi is writing this, I think, in 90. So this is probably almost 90 years ago now. But over 60 years ago, the great American sociologist Robert Park already noted, quote, it is in the improvident use of our leisure, I suspect, that the greatest wastes of American life occur, unquote. And that I just, I totally see that. And I've been thinking about that. On the show, another another quote in the book, quote unquote, the future, quote unquote, wrote C.K. Brightbill, 
quote, will belong not only to the educated man, but to the man who is educated to use his leisure wisely, unquote. I just thought, oh, this is a great, this is a, a great point. So what is this, what does flow have to do with, uh, with recreation and leisure? Well, I think it's, it's, Csikszentmihalyi is recognizing that there's often a very passive view of leisure. So we think of what we'll work is we have to use our mind and that can be tough. And that's, that's not really fun in a certain way. And so what we want to do, we want to stop doing that. And then we want to spend time just doing something where we don't have to engage our mind. So just in conversation where we don't have to engage our mind or we're watching a movie or we're just kind of lying around uh, on a beach. And there's, there's definitely something to that, particularly in terms of physical rejuvenation. I'm a big fan of lying uh, in the beat, on the beach but, and taking naps and whatnot. But there's definitely this, this bias that we're taught toward using our minds uh, actively in recreational activities. And one experience I can reflect on here is my experience with the reading is that I've had an aversion to reading in a certain way for a long time because I thought, oh, this is too intellectual. I'm just working. I'm just being a workaholic if I read. But part of it is, no, I really like to read. It's really fun and energizing and expands my mind. And that's, like, I am a human being. I'm a being of mind. And that's the, the use of that mind is very, that's a very big source of pleasure for a human being to use it and in, in particularly in a way where there's the experience of growth and reading something good can have that uh, experience a lot. One observation he makes about leisure activities is there's a quote, pursuing leisure activities that were expensive in terms of the outside resources required, activities that demanded expensive equipment or electricity or other forms of energy measured in BTUs, such as power boating, driving, or watching television. They, this is they, as in people, were significantly less happy than when involved in inexpensive leisure. Leisure that uses up external resources, however, often requires less attention, and as a consequence, it generally provides less memorable reward. Now, I don't think this is any kind of absolute, but it is interesting that if if the leisure, if everything is done by the machines, then then yeah, you could see it being boring. At first, it's like, oh, wow, the machine can do this, but then one, what is one's mind uh, going to do once that is initially worn off? Now, I think that that I love, I mean, I love one-wheeling, for example, and that's a machine, that is a machine activity, but it does need, and I'll talk about this in a minute because I've been thinking about one-wheeling. For those of you who haven't heard this before, it's a one-wheeling. Go to onewheel.com. It's this electric skateboard type thing that I love to ride that feels like a snowboard on land. It is interesting that, yes, I'm, I'm noticing a lot about flow and uh, one-wheeling. But before I get to that, let's see. So another quote he has, which I like, is, as we have seen, people generally long to leave their places of work and get home, ready to put their hard-earned free time to good use. All too often, they have no idea what to do there. And so he makes one point about how there's an incentive for others sometimes to give us passive activity. So he says, many leisure activities, especially those involving the passive consumption of mass media, are not designed to make us happy and strong. Their purpose is to make money for someone else. If we allow them to, they can suck out the marrow of our lives leaving only feeble husks. So I don't believe in inherent conflicts of interest, but it is worth thinking about 
are, when I'm in a context where, yes, yeah, somebody can make money by encouraging me to be passive, and yeah, I think it's enjoyable, but it's, I'm not actually enjoying it. So I need to ask myself, do I actually enjoy this? And that's a good kind of introspective que question. So I'll just give a, a couple of quick examples, and then I'll, I'll revisit this next episode. So what I found with uh, my own stuff is with uh, with one wheeling, what I noticed was, I, so I, I was one wheel, taking a one wheel ride in Laguna Beach and I decided, okay, I'm going to apply some of the flow stuff. And I would just think, okay, how can I challenge myself? How can I have some of these flow elements? And it was really shocking to me how much more I enjoyed it by deliberately doing that. For instance, there's this hill called Top of the World and I was going down it and there's sidewalk and then there's patches on the side of the road. And occasionally I'd go on the patches on the side of the road, but this time I would just go basically every time I could. And I would really try to ride it well within safety limits, of course. And it was just amazing to me how enjoyable this was and how I just, I was just so quote unquote in the moment, but the way I was in the moment wasn't saying, Hey, I'm going to be in the moment. It was just, I was focusing on, uh, a goal within this and it didn't make it feel like work in the negative sense. It was just, it just made it more enjoyable. Another example is in the ocean. So I'm a big fan of the ocean. One thing I was noticing is, oh, sometimes when I'm in the ocean, it's particularly enjoyable. And then I notice, well, sometimes I'm in the ocean and I just want to think through something and that's one thing, but sometimes I'm in the ocean and I'm just, if there's not much action, then I'm just, I'm enjoying the physical feel of it, but I'm thinking about something that I I don't particularly want to be thinking about, but it's just sort of on my mind. And then I notice, oh, well, when I go in the ocean and when I set myself little goals with the waves in terms of I want to hit this one at this point or I want to enjoy it in this way or when I float in this way, it's so engaging and enjoyable. I'm not even aware of it. But then after I think, oh, God, that was uh, that was great. Now, another um, a final one. I've been noticing is or one with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I like, I've just noticed, oh, wow. Yeah. The, the flow state is so enjoyable. And part of that is every time I'm wrestling, somebody have a, have a goal or have some sort of parameters that, that allow me to focus on something that's going to allow me to grow. And that makes it more enjoyable. So it's really interesting that with the issue of a goal, just having a specific one doesn't take one out of, out of the moment. It actually creates the moment. Uh, with with my dog, I was noticing with Sherlock, my my girlfriend had taught him to roll over, and she's he likes her much, still much more than he likes me, although he does like me a lot. Uh, so I was trying to get him to roll over, and I was so engaged with just getting it to happen and doing all these little nuances, and then I actually got it, and it was just I was so happy, just and and I just was connecting that. Oh yeah, this is versus just oh I'm just gonna go around Sherlock and sort of passively expect him to make me happy. And that's not, there's sometimes when I just want to relax or rejuvenate in some pure sense, but often the enjoyment comes from, no, there's some specific activity where I am growing and that really is, is time that I enjoy. And so you can think about, uh, Csikszentmihalyi has discussions of work, which I'll probably talk about in a future episode. He has discussions of how this applies to sex, how it applies to friendship, how it applies to conversation. And I just think what he's doing is is really great in terms of he's, he's really identifying something about the nature of the mind, that we really like certain kinds of activities that make us grow, and then he's helping people uh, apply that in in different areas. So I will continue to think about it and I will do at least one more 
show on this. I know I owe you guys another show on the Fountainhead, which because I only did, I did the Wisdom of the Fountainhead Part One, and I still haven't done another one. So at some point, I'll do that. But at the moment, I am thinking a lot about flow, so I will continue to do flow. And I'm about to in a couple of days, I'm going to leave for France with a trip with my family. It's my parents' 45th anniversary, and so I'm going to be with my siblings and my parents, and I am going to. Uh, take mostly a vacation, except I'm going to be doing some writing because I have a book deadline and then try to have a lot of flow in that and have a flow, a lot of flow in my other activities. And hopefully that'll generate some more insights for this show. Okay. That is it for this week. If you want to get the uh, news about the show every week or every other week when it comes out, go to humanflourishingproject.com, sign up for the email list. Make sure to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash humanflourishingproject to participate in discussions. And if you have any questions, comments, love mail, or hate mail, you can email me at alex at alexepstein.com. No promise to respond, but I do read them and appreciate them. Okay, next time, hopefully next week, I'll be back discussing flow. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been the Human Flourishing Project.